Okay, great. Well, most of us um, are sat down, so we'll just uh, begin by asking um, the first question, um, which is, um, are these gifts, uh, as in tongues and prophecy, um, are these gifts still for Christians today? Um, so hopefully, as we've gone through the last couple of chapters, you've, I've revealed my hand at least, which is, I think, yes. Uh, I think I, I, you know, some of the things we said were about praying for them and desiring them, etc., imply that uh, yes, they are. Uh, very, very briefly, uh, the, the reasons I guess I would give for that are we, we saw in chapter 13, Dan preached on it, um, chapter 13, that Paul talks about the time when these things, uh, these gifts, tongues, and prophecy will cease. Um, I take that to be when. Christ returns, uh, and so from the time of Pentecost to the return of Christ seems to be one kind of period in uh, salvation history in which we are part of, uh, and I don't, I don't expect uh, anything much to change in that period unless it's kind of explicitly said in the New Testament, and so I think, yeah, you, you'd need a strong reason to say why you thought they had ceased rather than why you think they continue as soon as we live in that um, that period of time. Um, but then also acknowledging that other people have a different view and say no and would tie the things we've talked about, prophecy and tongues, much more closely to Revelation, which we'll talk about a little bit later on, um, but uh, uh, tie them more closely to Revelation and therefore say no. Go, God, now, now the scriptures are finished, the canon, the, the Bible that we have is complete. There's no more uh, gifts like that. Um, so those would be two. Ben, anything? Yeah, I, I'd say um, I would. Uh, I would say that I, I agree with with Matt that the gifts do continue. Um, but I would just add a couple of things in with that. One is to say that um, because I believe that doesn't mean I believe that the extreme, the extremities of what you see in, in, in on TV or in some churches, I, I think is is, is is the right use of the gifts. Um, so that, that yes, I do think that. But let's. As we've, as we've seen tonight, there, there's a correct use of those gifts, so, so uh, that's true. But also to say that one of the things I, I've been doing recently in my studies is I had to write an essay on spiritual gifts, and the essay title I had was Analyze the Case for Cessationism, which is analyze the, the, the reasons that people give that the gifts have now ceased. And it was a really interesting thing, because I'd, I'd not really, I must admit, I knew the arguments to some degree, but I'd, I hadn't really spent a lot of time reading lots of books by cessationists and, and things like that. And I found it really, really helpful. And um, I was really blessed by them. And I'd say that one thing was that what, one of the things that really stood out to me was 80% of the books that I read completely agreed with, or maybe even more than that. I just read them before. Actually, we agree on so much. Um, and the one thing we disagreed on was, was, was this issue. Um, and, and, and their reasoning primarily was the, their, their desire to make, keep the authority of Scripture as central. And um, that they're, they're concerned that the way the gifts can be used deplete, you know, can take the authority out, out of the Bible. And I just think that's a really good concern to have. And that's definitely a good concern to have. So I was really blessed. By, and it, 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 I, I think we should all have that concern and we should carefully heed the, the warning, um, I would say, of that. Yeah. Just uh, before the next one, just one, I suppose one helpful thing with this as well is, like Ben saying, to have kind of concerns in mind. Mm. One thing that might help us just with all these questions as we go through, particularly with spiritual gifts, is to have, like Ben said, there's a lot that we actually agree on uh, and to remind ourselves. So 
three kind of helpful things that I think we all agree on, whether, whatever our position on this, or hopefully we all agree on. One is uh, revelation. Uh, so as Ben's saying, that we believe that there is no new revelation from, from God, that he's not going to say anything different or new to what he has spoken to us uh, about in the scriptures. And so if any prophecy or anything uh, takes away for, from or adds to that, then that's, that's out of the bounds of what we're saying um, something like prophecy is. Uh, so revelation, this is, God's word is the final authority. Um, Christ, the, the, spirit is, uh, the Spirit's work is like, more like a, a spotlight than a laser show. I find that a helpful analogy. So a laser show, you go and see a laser show, and you say, wow, look at the lights. Aren't they amazing? Um, a spotlight, you go and see, wow, look at the thing that's being lit up, the building or whatever it is. Um, scriptures are pretty clear that the Holy Spirit um, spotlights Christ, uh, draws our attention to Christ, um, doesn't, not, not to himself. Uh, and so any spiritual gifts uh, that we have or, or use or see should be drawing attention to Christ, not away from him. Uh, so Revelation, Christ, and then the big thing that we've seen in, in Corinthians has been unity, isn't it? So the spirit of unity, uh, the spirit of peace, um, all these spiritual gifts are to be used for each other, to build each other up and unite each other. If spiritual gifts are causing division, then that is a complete misuse uh, of those things. So revelation, Christ, and unity are kind of, I guess, the benchmark things that whatever we're talking about, they need to fit within those, those parameters. Great. And you've laid out um, your kind of your view on it. Does um, the church at CC itself have a kind of position... Uh, on on this, um, no, the, the CC doesn't have a position. We don't we don't have any papers. You, it's not something you have to. Uh, you you can ha- hold whatever position you wish to be a member of CC and to come here. And actually, I'm really pleased to say that in our congregation we have people who sit on both sides of the fence, as it were, on, on this issue. And week after week, we all gather together under the Word of God, and we are all challenged and shaped by it together. So actually, this issue isn't as big as sometimes we we make it out to be. Um, in church unity, so we don't have that. Um, it's, uh, so there's no official position that the elders have come up with, um, so you can hold any view within the parameters that Matt has just kind of outlined. Um, we, we, we would want to continue to maintain unity, um, stay Christ-focused, and, and have Scripture as, as the heart of everything. So if you, uh, if, if, as long as you're okay with that, then we can, we can continue to have discussions around this secondary issue. It's not a gospel issue, it's a secondary issue about um, how we interpret the Bible. And I think that, that's a really helpful reason why, I hope it's been helpful looking at these things in context of 1 Corinthians rather than just as a, as a one-off. When, when we consider what might be a, a divisive or controversial mm. topic in the context of a letter that's written to a church saying, you need to love each other and build each other up, and that's the overarching message of what we've been looking at in the chapters that is a perfect context then for us to do a Q&A like this or in life groups to discuss uh, something like spiritual gifts and, and where we might differ, but in the context of saying, be generous towards your brothers and sisters in Christ, love them in the way that you disagree. Um, it's okay to come to a different position, um, but with those big things in mind. So, mm. yeah, that's been, hopefully that's been a helpful way of doing it. Just one of the things to that is, it's, I think it's, it's helpful to come to a position on it. I think... It's, it's the Bible. It's truth. So if, I, th- I think it, it, the danger is if we say it doesn't matter what position you have, you might hear that and go, well, I, I don't even need to think about it then, do I? 
No, you do. It's the Bible. The Bible teaches these things. So I think it's really, we, we should think about them, you know, a lot and try and come to con conclusions ourselves based on, on reading Scripture. Uh, but never come to, the, I, I think, just be cautious to think that, that you have somehow solved a, a, a big question yourself uh, with such clarity that everybody else in the church has got it wrong, which we can so easily think that way, can't we? Um, I, I, but I think we should be gracious when we come to those conclusions. Yeah. Great. Um, uh, how should um, what we've seen through uh, chapters sort of 11 through to 14, how should that affect or change the way that we do church meetings, that we do life group, things like that? Yeah, this is a question that lots of people have, uh, have asked. So I guess I've, in preaching, or we in preaching, have laid out some sort of big, broad principles and then people want to know how, how does that look on a Sunday by Sunday. Um, also, a couple of things and then uh, Ben can add in as well. I suppose the first is that I don't think it does necessarily change anything that we're doing. Um, so if we take a kind of that broad definition of uh, prophecy that, that we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks that prophecy involves speaking God's truth to others for their spiritual good then I think that we're already doing this we might not label it as such but there are elements in which depending on how we define prophecy we could say that we are doing that in, in life groups are you know in the service as people come up the front or afterwards or whatever uh, these things are happening um, and so we do have those things going on. It's not like we don't do them and we need to start doing them. So it doesn't necessarily change anything in that sense. It also uh, shouldn't change certain things. Um, and again, I think the, that's where context is helpful. Um, so remember, uh, even this evening, Paul's big point actually isn't so much about uh, the specific gifts of prophecy and tongues. It, that hasn't been his big driving point. His big point has been what is most beneficial to the church when it meets. How do you structure and organize yourselves and do things in a way that uh, serves the people that gather? Um, and part of applying that principle means thinking about our context uh, as opposed to uh, Corinthian context. Uh, so some of the differences might mean that we're in a, a we have a larger group of people, particularly on a Sunday morning. We are a big gathering. Uh, and so maybe less people are going to speak up the front uh, just because that's the number we've got lots of people and that would take a long time uh, it might mean that um that we uh sort of we pair back the elements that we include that tends to be what we do so we kind of pair back our sunday services to kind of preaching singing praying lord's supper those kind of key elements on that particular meeting we also have a, a greater mix of uh, christians and and non-christians in our meetings so again it's being mindful of that and thinking how do we best serve everyone that is gathered together? Those things might lead us to make certain decisions about how our church meetings on a Sunday look. Um, it doesn't, the implications of, of these chapters doesn't necessarily mean that we have to include three prophets and three tongues. And you know, we, we make calls on those things with that big principle of what will most benefit the people that are meeting together. And there might be other contexts in which it is helpful or, or, or would be appropriate to have those things. We'll come back to those in a moment. Uh, and that, I suppose that's the kind of, it could. So it doesn't have to change what we do. It shouldn't necessarily change what we do, but it could change what we do. Uh, and I think I've been challenged uh, over preaching these chapters to think a lot more about whether we're getting this right, if there is a, a right way to do these things. We should always allow Scripture to be 
challenging us and change the way we think about the things that we're doing. And so perhaps, um, again, this is something to think about, and that perhaps something like the evening service or a prayer meeting or whatever would be a, uh, a context in which people could have the opportunity to share what God has laid on their heart, what God is speaking to them about uh, us as a church and um, in, in an appropriate way, in the way that Paul describes, that might be a good thing for us to do. Um, in life groups, we've talked about that already, in life groups is a great opportunity for people to prophesy to each other in that sense um, of the word. So, so there are contexts in which we could think about it more, and I say I'm, that's something that I'm have been challenged by and to think through, um, but I don't necessarily think that means that we need to drastically change what we do on a Sunday morning, for example. Um, ben, I don't know if you check anything Yeah, that's good. I, I think I mean, there are um, people in our church that, that do practice some of these things. And, and just say so that, um, I, I, won't, I won't mention the name, but there is, there's an individual who on a, on a couple of occasions has come to me and said, um, I really feel the Lord wants me to say this, and I'd love to share this with the church. And then they they tell me what it was, a broad, broad outline, and then I'd go, okay, that sounds, that sounds good, and you, you're wanting to build, it's, it's there to build the church up, it's in line with scripture, yeah. And we have um, given um, the, the opportunity to speak, so that we don't want to hold people back. So I'd say if you're a member of the church, um, and you do kind of have, you do want to share something like that, then I'd, don't, don't stand up in the middle of the meeting and close everything down. There are be- there are, there's the right time and the right place and the right context where that would work better. So it might work better at a prayer meeting, for example, or um, at a, at a um, or, or on a Sunday evening or something, rather than a Sunday morning. But then go, don't hold on to it, don't don't bury it. Go find an elder, um, find a member of the ministry team, and share it with them. And then then you've done your bit. And if, if they if they think it's appropriate, then um, that, that that's up to them. So and just yeah. just on that again, in in line with I guess what we've seen this evening, that if if you do that. Do, do be prepared for the answer to be no. Mm. So uh, the assumption here isn't if you have uh, something like this to share, that that automatically means you will. That mm. there are, there is order to what to what we're doing, yeah. and so you have to be ready for that to come back. I, I guess just just very briefly, um, and this is you know again a genuine question as I'm going through. I find it tricky when it comes to tongues. Um, so I, just the the principles that are laid out, Paul has made, aren't they? That that tongues are. Um, well, prophecy is beneficial for the church because it's understandable. Tongues, we've just seen in, in chapter 14, he says, unless there's an interpreter, you shouldn't speak. Uh, you should stop speaking. The implication there seems to be that you would know before you speak that there will be an interpretation. Otherwise, you, so that's, otherwise you wouldn't know whether to speak or not. So, so, um, so tongues, only if there's an interpreter, you need to know that in advance. Um, my genuine question, which is what some people have asked, and I, I need to talk to other people and think through more, I think is, I guess, how, what the mechanism for doing that is, how you think through um, whether we, there is an in, someone who can interpret tongues there, present, uh, how you discover those things. Um, we chatted about it earlier. Ben, say what you were uh, Well, I think if, if the Lord did do something like that amongst us, I, I don't think it necessarily has to happen. I, I think that, you know, there may be a time for that in some churches, um, but it, let, let's say 20 members all of a sudden really believe they had the gift of tongues, and then that's something the elders would have to discuss. Um, and if if that did happen, then and we believed it was right, then we'd we'd be trusting God that if he was if he was genuinely giving that gift, 
then he would give the gift of interpretation as well. He, he, he would make sense. And if, they weren't, if it turned out there weren't anyone with the gift mm. of interpretation, that would probably be a sign that that isn't what God's doing at this time. So I'd say that. But just, just to say that sometimes the way we kind of view this thing is, is this. We, we can be very gracious towards other kinds of things. So we can be very gracious towards people singing badly in church, for example. Because they, their heart's in the right place, but, you know, they're, they're singing a little off-key. Um, but, if, but, but if someone tries this kind of thing um, to us, they might share, share a word from the Lord to us. And, and we can be, because of, maybe because of our background, we can be much more harsh well, that's wrong. <laughs> they should hope they don't ever do that again. That's terrible. Um, I, I think you know, grace is messy. Church can be messy. So I think it, I think we need to be gracious in how we, how we deal with this stuff as well. So yeah. yeah. Um, well, with that in mind, is there is there is there also a right um, sense of caution when it comes uh, to gifts? And you know, say someone does um, you know want to share a word from the Lord or, or prophesy with us, is there? Uh, you know, sort of right caution to that as well, or? Yeah, I think, uh, so lots of the conversations I've had with people over the last few weeks on these things have been, I guess, as a result of uh, bad experiences, uh, you'd say, um, where spiritual gifts, uh, or at least as they, they've experienced them, have been misused by people. Uh, and so there is a right caution when they're, when they're used in a way that contradict those those kind of parameters that we said, when they they challenge or undermine revelation when they, the Bible, uh, when they draw our, our attention away from Christ and onto something else, or, or when they cause division or disunity in the church. Those are, we need to be cautious of those things. Uh, again, people have spoken to me about when they've in, had people, know people or have been pressured into things like tongues uh, as a sign of kind of true spirituality um, or, or receiving the Spirit or something like that. I think we need to be cautious about about those things where those gifts are, are misused. They're only, like I said, these are, not, these are a small thing, uh, but they can be blown out of proportion uh, uh, to cause real damage in a church. So, um, so, yeah, I think we want to be careful with those things. Um, again, uh, careful with how excited we get about them. I, I think, you know, when we start getting more excited about uh, these things than hearing God's word preached, um, then, you know, then we want to, want to question why and what, what's going on there. Um, so, yeah, so there is a, a, a right caution, I think. Um, yeah. I, I, I suppose just as a, I, we, when we talked about this earlier as well, um, maybe Ben can speak to this, as he's already kind of alluded to, I think maybe f- because of that, our, our default setting is skepticism and caution. Um, so we, any, any whiff of, some, of spiritual gifts and, and, and you know, we're very unsure what's going on. I think we can hopefully be more positive towards these things. And Ben, do you want to say a bit about that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely true. And I, you know, I grew, my, um, I grew up in a charismatic church, um, so I, I was, um, I did have the spiritual gifts being practiced around me when I was a, before I was a Christian as I grew up. Um, but then I, th- I remember at the time at the church we were at in Sheffield. Up the road, there was another church, and there was some really weird stuff going on there. There were, there were people um, who were feeling led by the Spirit to go lie down in front of buses um, on, the, on the high street. And I just, I just knew that was wrong. Even as a, non, even as a young boy, I'd seen, I'd seen the gifts used in a very different way, in a controlled way. And then hearing of that, I, th- I think you know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And if you think you haven't, if you can't possibly control um, yourself, then that what's going on in, in at that moment is not 
um, is not a, a right use of the spirit, gifts of the spirit, I would say. So yes, uh, there are definite cautions. But I think, though, seeing that extreme, um, and then, but also seeing the other um, people who were seeking to do it biblically, who could also identify that that was, that was wrong, um, made me cautious, but not completely, you know, terrified of it. But, yeah. Great. Um, well, there are a couple of other questions that haven't been asked and haven't been answered. Um, so if you have a question, and please don't stop asking those questions, come and speak to Matt, come and speak to Ben, um, speak to one another uh, about these things. But um, for the sake of time, uh, we'll have to call it there. But why don't I um, pray uh, to close our time together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for all that you have spoken to us tonight. We pray that you would help us uh, to listen to what you have said, that we would uh, take to heart uh, what you have spoken to us. And Lord, we pray that everything we've heard tonight, we would um, uh, check it against the scriptures, that your word would be our ultimate authority. Uh, So Lord, please give us wisdom and guidance as we continue to think about these things. Please teach us, and please uh, be our teacher, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.